Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Our family, our three kids, we enjoy going to the, to the Frost Museum of Science downtown. And every time I, I go with the family, my, my favorite exhibit is this one room. They have this one room, and the theme of the room is building, engineering, architecture. And, and in one corner, kind of a back corner of the room, is this interactive arch building exhibit. And they have these padded blocks and you stack them together, and you put them together in a certain way, and you build an arch. It's, it's a free-standing arch. Now, the key, the key to the whole thing, the key to the arch, the key to the whole thing is the keystone. The keystone. Now, now I'm no engineer. Uh, I'm not an architect, but... I understand if you take the keystone out, if you remove the keystone, the entire thing, the entire arch crumbles. It falls. It is destroyed. Now, stay with me here. When it comes to the idea of Christianity, when it comes to the idea of being a Christian, the keystone is Jesus. I mean, could even say it this way. Christianity equals Jesus. Jesus is the keystone. I mean, in fact, the word Christian, it literally means the, the, the biblical meaning. It means follower of the Messiah or follower of Jesus. I mean, what the word means is Jesus is the leader. And if I'm a Christian, right, I am his follower. I'm all in with him as my leader. I'm with him. I'm following him. I'm his disciple. I am a follower of Jesus. Now, one of the challenges to this conversation, and where, where it gets fun, but it's also where it gets complicated, if this is true, right, if Christianity is Jesus and Jesus is the keystone and the entire thing depends on him, if you take Jesus out, the whole thing crumbles. If this is true, it brings up some really interesting and some really important questions, like who is Jesus and, and is he real? Is he like historical or is it like a fairy tale fiction kind of thing? And if he is real, then who is he and what is his purpose and, and what is his message? And maybe the question is this, is like, what Jesus are we talking about? I mean, which version of Jesus? Like, whose version? I mean, personally, on a weekly basis, I'm around a really wide variety of people, which, which I love. On one extreme, right, on a weekly basis, I, I typically encounter someone, I'll call them hyper-spiritual, right? And, and the hyper-spiritual, the answer to every question, to every problem, to everything is Jesus, right? You just need Jesus, right? 
You, you trip, you, you fall, you break your leg, your bone is sticking out of your skin, and the hyper-spiritual person walks up and looks at you and says, you just need Jesus. And you're thinking, well, maybe, but right now, at this moment, I'll, take, I'll settle for an ambulance, or I just want a, a doctor, right? That's one extreme. And then if you go to the, the far extreme, right, you, you kind of have the cynic or the, or the skeptic, right? And like, oh, this whole thing's made up. It's a fairy tale. This is kind of like a Disney princess kind of thing. And, and obviously there's version of this, but an, an honest critic who's done their homework, who's done their research, who's looked at the historical evidence would say, hey, you know what? It, this is legitimate. There's a, there's a legitimate um, uh, evidence that Jesus is a historical fig, uh, figure. He's actually a person in history. I get that, but but God, yes, person in history, but God, Son of God, perfect life, died on a cross, rose from the dead. Come on, man. I mean, that's the stuff of fairy tales. Or, or maybe like on that same kind of spectrum, one of my really good friends who's Jewish. God, yes, Jesus, no. Or is there kind of like a middle ground, right? Not hyper-spiritual, not the cynic skeptic, but, but middle ground, which honestly I think is kind of the predominant view in the West, in the United States. Like Christian, right? It's, it's not really about Jesus. It's just this vague kind of belief in God. And, and there's this higher power. There's something. And, and, and what it's really about is just, just morals. Like be a good human. Be happy, be nice, do good, be good, make the world a, a better place. You know, just be a, be a good person. I mean, what is it? I mean, which version, whose version is right? And what happens to you and what happens to me and why this message series, the problem of Jesus, while we're talking about this, is because there's just so much confusion and there's so much complexity that believers and non-believers and skeptics and even pastors are confused. And so we're going to spend some time here. We're going to spend some weeks here in this series, the problem of Jesus, talking about it, asking Questions, wrestling, exploring together. Key thoughts, key ideas, doubts, my questions, your questions. But today in part one, I want to just start simple. Because for some reason, we tend to go to complexity and confusion, but we lose sight of the very simple message. It's easy to, to lose sight to, to just the relational nature of Jesus. The message of Jesus. I mean, the driving force behind the Christian faith, the, the driving force behind the message of Jesus is, is not a list of rules and regulations, a, a be good, do good, vote a certain way, be in this political party, be more good, be more right. right? No, 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 no. The main message, the key point is a relationship. A, a relationship with Jesus. And the reason Jesus came was to lay the groundwork for a new kind of relationship with God. See, Jesus came to change the paradigm. He came to change the way that you and change the way that, that me, how, how you relate to God, how you think about God, how you approach God, how you know God and understand God. And what is 
God-like. And to help with this, Jesus used all kinds of of illustrations and examples and and word pictures. And he he used these word pictures like a father and a child and a vine and a branch and a shepherd and a sheep. And these are all really good and amazing word pictures if you really dig deep and and try to understand what Jesus was saying. But but on the surface, they, they can be confusing. I mean, father, child, and God says, I'm your heavenly father. You can call me Abba. Father. But as I talk to people, that's a challenge. Why is it a challenge? Because many of us associate this word picture with our dead, our earthly dead. And that can be good or bad depending on your dead, depending on your relationship with your father. But the reality is even the best dead falls short. I mean, I'm trying really hard with my kids. I'm striving to be a great dead. But, but I know that one day when my kids are in their 20s, They're going to need some therapy. Why? Because I'm deeply flawed. And then you look at the word picture, vine and branch. It's it's a garden illustration. If you're a gardener and have a green thumb, maybe you get it. But, But Jesus says this. He says, hey, I'm the true vine. You are the branch. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, and I in you, then he says you'll bear much fruit. Now, There's a deeper meaning if you get into all of this. And Jesus is reframing the relationship between you and God and me and God. He's saying there's a new way. There's a a new covenant. There's a new relationship. There's a new way to connect to God to be in a relationship with him. But it can be confusing. Shepherd and sheep. Again, another great word picture. But I live in Miami. I look out these windows and see US1. And there's no sheep. There, there's no shepherds. I mean, does Zoo Miami even have sheep? I mean, I should know. I'm a pass holder. Now, if you want to talk about alligators and crocodiles and peacocks, which are everywhere, and iguanas, which are everywhere, and li- lizards, there are millions and millions of lizards. That's my world. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea of sheep and shepherds. But there is one word picture. It runs throughout the, the, the life and the story of Jesus, throughout the Gospels. It's actually the word picture that Jesus uses more than any other. It's one that encompasses all of us, non-believers, new believers, old believers. It's a word picture that, that, that all of us can relate to, one that's highly relational, one that Jesus uses from the very beginning of his earthly ministry. In fact, in the Bible, there are four accounts of the life of Jesus Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're four eyewitness accounts from different perspectives. And the first one you come to is Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew's eyewitness account. And today I actually want to look at a story about Matthew, who is the author of the Gospel of Matthew. And he's writing about his first encounter with Jesus. It's found in Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 9. And Matthew writes this. He says, as Jesus went on... On from there, he saw a man named Matthew, and he was sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus sees a man. It's Matthew. Hey, it's me. I'm writing this. And he's a tax collector. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about another tax collector named Zacchaeus. And we talked about that the tax collector was the most despised and hated person in that culture. The most hated group among the Jews. And their region was under Roman control, the Roman Empire. And their system for taxation was not to use Romans, but to use Jewish people to collect taxes from their own people. 
And, and they could charge a surplus, and whatever the surplus was, they could put in their pocket. And so they were known as deceitful. They were known as traitors. Some would say they were licensed robbers. In fact, it's interesting to note that tax collectors were excluded from religious life. They couldn't even go to the temple. And so here's Jesus. He walks up. He sees Matthew, the tax collector. And what does Jesus do? What does he say? Well, I bet your mom's really proud of you. No, look, look what he says. Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. Follow me. Now, you've got to understand, in the first century culture, that Jesus was a rabbi. He was a, a teacher. And so this, this invitation carried great significance. I mean, this is not a, hey, let's grab coffee, or, hey, man, you want to do some lunch next week? That would be great. No, no, no. This is deeper. This is a, like, hey, come be on my team. Hey, come be one of my students. Come be one of my disciples. I have limited number of seats, and I'm inviting you to be part of the team. And look at how Matthew, the tax collector, responds. Matthew tells us himself. He says, he says I got up, and I followed Follow me. I mean, can it, can it be that simple? I mean, every single religion, every world religion, every religious system in the world has a process that involves steps. If you follow the steps, if you follow the rules, then after you follow all the steps and all the rules, then you can be in, you, you can be accepted. I mean, there are even Christian churches, right? It's like believe, belong, become, right? And the idea of community is like, hey, once you believe, right, you believe all the right stuff and vote all the right ways and do all the right things, then you can belong. You believe, then you can belong. But notice, look closely. Jesus with, with Matthew, he walks up and he says, follow me. He didn't make it conditional, there was no like, well, hey, Matthew, if you're willing to blank, then you can follow me. Like, do this, go to this class, get confirmed over here, read this, believe this. No. He simply says, follow me. This was Jesus' invitation throughout the Gospels to women, to men, to old, to young, to good people, to bad people. The simple Invitation of Jesus is follow me. See, I believe this is the most accurate picture of what, of what it's all about. The Christian life, the real Christian life, is a life of, of following Jesus. The issue is not what you know. The issue is not what you've done. The issue is how long you, you've been a Christian or how often you attend church. It, it's, not, it's not even an issue of you being a Christian because that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. The question that, that we need to ask ourselves is this. Am I following? Am I currently? Am I actively following? Matthew says, verse 9, he says, Jesus went from there and he saw a man named Matthew who was sitting at the tax collector. Follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. It's too simple. I mean, hello, objection. I, I got to push back. Well, yes. Here it comes, the next verse, the objection, the pushback. Verse 10, later Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. 
Many tax collectors and sinners came. They ate with Jesus and his disciples. Here's the pushback. The Pharisees saw this, so they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus says, follow me. He ends up at Matthew's house at a dinner party with Matthew's friends. What's funny, if you look closely at the text, the tax collectors are so bad, they have a separate category. It says tax collectors and sinners. Like sinners, oh, the worst side of sinner is tax collector. And then here comes the pushback. Here comes the objection. Like it can't be this simple. Why does the rabbi, why does the teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Translation, if he's really a man of God, how would, he, how would he be hanging out with people like this? 12, Jesus heard this. He said, those who are healthy don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Now, Matthew's writing this. He knows something is wrong. He, he knows he's disconnected. Jesus says, go and learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to get those who think they are right with God to follow me. I have come to get sinners to follow me. Jesus quotes the Old Testament prophet Hosea. And the context of that is Hosea is a prophet. And Israel, the people of God, were going through the motions and they were believing and behaving, but they were missing the point. And Jesus is saying, hey, you believe the right things, you, you behave the, the right way, you look the right way, but you've lost sight of the point. It's not about the rules. It's not about the regulations. We're not talking about some kind of religion. No, that's not it. You're missing the point. This we're talking about is a relationship. See, the, the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they say, hey, clean up, behave a certain way, learn the rules, do all this stuff, and then you can join us. And Jesus actually says, no, no, no. I, all I say is simply, hey, why don't you join us? Why don't you follow me, and then you will change. I, there's a lot we can learn from this, but I, I want to just point out a few things that we can learn from Jesus' invitation to follow. The first is this. Being a sinner does not disqualify you. In fact, it's a prerequisite. Jesus only invited sinners to follow him. He invited them before they got better or even committed to do so. He invites people who know they are not all they ought to be and not sure they're willing to be. He invites people who know something's wrong but aren't sure what to do about. I mean, this message never changes. That's why we talk about all the time the idea of baptism being the the first step, right? It's not like know everything, have all your questions, then be, no, it's like, no, being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. It's actually a prerequisite. Two, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. None of Jesus's early followers believed. I mean, if you study the life of Jesus, he's always talking to his followers about their unbelief. In fact, most of his disciples didn't really believe that he was who he says he was until after the resurrection. I mean, one of the most frustrating and most beautiful things about being the pastor at Miami Church is that people I love who've been around Miami Church for years and come in and out and they've heard the messages, but yet they don't believe yet. And here were these disciples three years with Jesus. After all they saw, after all they experienced, and you're like, you don't believe? It wasn't until they saw him die and they saw him buried and then they saw him alive. They talked to him after he had died. They touched him after he died. They ate with him after that. And then all of a sudden, boom, they believed. See, this is good news. 
It's good news for you and me. It's good news for those of us who have questions. It's good news for those of us who have doubts. I mean, this is the kind of culture we're trying to create at at Miami Church. See, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Here's a third lesson I think we can learn. The invitation to follow is an invitation to relationship. Jesus, he went, verse 10, to Matthew's house. They had dinner. Before Matthew made any changes, the changes Jesus wants to make in your life and my life take place in the context of a relationship. You begin a relationship with a church before you begin a relationship with Jesus. It happens all the time. Exposure to the person of Jesus is what initiates the change. It's why we're doing this series, Problem of Jesus. It's why we're we're addressing these doubts and questions because the simple invitation to you and the simple invitation to me is, is follow me. It's an initial request. It's an ongoing request. It's It's something I face every single morning when I get up. Greg, will you follow me? Follow me, Greg, and you will believe. Follow me and you will change. Follow me and you will begin to see yourself in the world around you differently. The invitation to follow is an invitation to a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. See, if Jesus is the keystone, Jesus is, is, is it, and he's inviting you and he's inviting me, and he simply looks at you and says, hey, just follow me. And the simple question for you and me is, are you following? See, when Matthew was writing all this, he had no idea all that Jesus had in store for him. In fact, he wouldn't have believed it. He had no idea that he would write a bestseller. He had no idea that we'd be standing here 2,000 years later talking about him. And the same is true for you. You have no idea what Jesus has in store for you, but you definitely don't want to miss it. Are you following? Are you actively following him today. God, I thank you for the simple words. God, it gets so confusing. There's so many ideas. There's so many perceptions and misperceptions. And and God, sometimes it just comes back to the simple idea that you want to be in a loving relationship with us. And none of the other stuff matters. And you just simply look us in the eyes and say, follow me. God, I pray that every person, every student, every woman, every man listening to my voice right now, would God would push away all the other stuff and would lean in and would simply just, just address you on this question. Follow me. Are you following? God, I pray that we'll just take our next step, that we'll just follow, that we'll wake up each morning and go, yes, I want to follow you today. God, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in this community. I thank you for what you're doing in this church among these amazing people. And God, we just want to follow you. God, I pray that you'll use these conversations, this this series, God, to stir up, right, curiosity, to, to stir up a hunger, to stir up a desire for you. We want to follow you. We want to know you. We love you, God, and we pray this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at
gmail.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.